Amen. Good morning. It's so good to have you here today. Uh, the obvious statement of the day, he's not here. Uh, Heath is in uh, Disney World um, with his family. His whole side of the family is gone, um, like his parents and his brothers and sisters. It's been like two and a half years in the making. COVID shut the first one down. So they finally made it. Um, and so y'all pray for him and Kelly because they're at Disney World. And so if you've ever been, you know, uh, with well, you know. Uh, but I will say this, he's coming back this week and super excited about Easter. He'll be here, uh, of course, for Easter and Saturday is our first Easter service at 630. Uh, and then we have our two normal services on Sunday. So uh, please prepare to be at one of those. Invite some people uh, to come uh, for those. The other thing that we should address is he, he, let me, he let me preach the Sunday before Easter. So I said, I'm just going to preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and figure out what you're going to do next week because I go first. Uh, but I won't do that to him uh, today. I won't. I'm not. Um, but what I will talk about today, it's Palm Sunday. Um, and I knew nothing, so I had to learn a little bit. And, but, but the point of it is it's important. Uh, and Jesus is coming to town. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about. It's recorded in all four Gospels, right? And the, but I will say the big point today, if you flip your uh, bulletin over, sermon notes, they're not there because this is the point. Uh, you don't have to write a lot today. The point of it is, is Sunday's coming. Easter is coming. Like the resurrection is coming. Uh, and what makes Jesus different, what makes him the most loved figure in all of history, and what makes him the most hated figure in all of history is coming. Uh, the resurrection is coming. What makes him the most controversial, what makes him different, what makes him my king, and why I follow him while you're here today, is Sunday's coming. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Before that, he had to enter into Jerusalem. And I learned a little bit about it. There's a lot of talk today about donkeys. And that's a thing. That's weird. But just embrace that today because I got hung up on it. And then I was preaching. So the combination is you're going to hear a lot about it. So if you'll turn to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, not Luke. I gave the guys the notes in the first in the first service, and I gave them Luke. I, I don't know. But anyway, so it's Mark. It's the book of Mark, the oldest gospel that we probably have. A lot of Mark is quoted uh, in Matthew. Probably over 90% of Mark is quoted in Matthew. Probably 60%-ish is quoted in Luke. So it's probably the oldest gospel. They probably had the gospel of Mark sitting in front of them uh, as they wrote their story. But it's all about the life of Christ. The first eight chapters uh, is clearly Jesus just kicking around in Galilee, doing miracles, teaching People ask questions like, who is that guy? He's like, yeah, just going to keep it vague. And then even in chapter 8, his disciples say, hey, who?" Jesus asks his disciples, who am I? And they say, well, you're, you're the Christ. Like, you're, you're God's solution to the human problem. And then in chapters 9 and 10, he heads to Jerusalem and starts telling his boys, he's like, fellas, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be murdered. and I'm going to rise from the dead. And if you can imagine following a guy that's supposed to be the Christ, that's supposed to be the king, and he tells you he's going to be murdered and rejected. That's not a good thing. But actually it tells him like they talk about it like three or four times going through. And so they have to be confused. It's like, I thought you were going to reign. I thought you were going to be the guy. But then finally in chapter 11, we arrive at Jerusalem, like the holy city. So we have 10 chapters in the book. It's 16 chapters long. 10 chapters are covering like three years of Jesus's life. And then chapters 11, 12, 13. 14, 15, and 16 are, are the last week of Jesus' life. 
it's go time, right? When you get to chapter 11, like these three years of Jesus's ministry that brought us up to chapter 11, like it's, it, it's here, it's in place. All the things God have done through Jesus's ministry is coming to a head. Like it's time to go. That's where we're going to be at chapter 11 as he walks in. I'm going to read it. Uh, and then we're going to talk about it. Mark chapter 11. I'm going to read 11 verses. Now then they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go in the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter, there will be a colt tied up that no one has ever set on. Untied and bring it. If anyone asks, Why are you doing this? The Lord is in need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found the colt at the tied up at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. Some of those standing uh, said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they said, Jesus needs it. And they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus. And they threw the cloaks on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the ground and on the road. And others spread leafy branches. So they hand cut from the field. And those that went before and those that followed were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom, uh, is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And 11 says he entered Jerusalem, went into the temple, looked around at everything. It was late. And he went out of the temple to Bethany with the 12. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, not only thank you for your resurrection, but thank you for your entry and what we can learn from it. Uh, so be with, it, uh, be with us as we look at it today, God. Uh, and just let us learn and not leave the same. In your name I pray. Amen. So... When I read that, uh, it didn't really change my world. Like, it was just a little story about Jesus catching a donkey and coming on in. Right? And it's kind of like 10 verses out of the 11. It's him just kind of moving to Jerusalem. He goes, like, toward the temple, and then there's verse 11. Like, if you just read verse 11, it says he entered Jerusalem, went to the temple, looked around, like, nah, it's still late, so he went back to Bethany. So that's kind of odd, because, like, the whole, it's kind of a parade that he goes from Bethany to Jerusalem back to Bethany. Like, what's that about? Because it wasn't about Jerusalem, because when you got there, you just turned around and left. Right? And so, if it's a great entrance for a king, like, and this is where I got hung up. There's seven verses, like six to seven verses about donkey. Why, why is the donkey so important? Like, why is this dude, what does it matter? So why does Jesus care so much about the donkey? And then those people are waving palm branches and yelling and stuff. I'll tell you all, for me, Palm Sunday, what I remember as a kid is I knew the craft. We're all going to get to get a piece of cardboard or construction paper and paint a, do a palm leaf. And then my most exciting part is scissors. Um, <laughs> we get scissors, and I get to play with scissors, and we cut the palm leaf out, and we wave it. That's the thing. Like, you know, Hosanna, just yell it. Like, what for? Just say it, Jesus. And, and, and you just do it. It, just, it kind of sounds weird, but it's culture. It's culture. They know what's going on. Because if I told you a story about a young man walking through that door with a pastor and standing up here with a, in a tuxedo, y'all know what's supposed to happen, right? That's our culture. Like, y'all know there's supposed to be a wedding up here. Two people supposed to join in marriage. Or if I told you a story about a young man going to Jared's, and then he goes to the Opryland Hotel and gets down on one knee on some random park bench at Christmas time in front of all the lots. That's what I did, me and Monica. So, but, but you know what's supposed to happen, right? You know what's supposed to happen. Two people, are, and it's supposed to go down. Right? But if you're from the outback of Australia, you don't know what that means. Who's Opryland? Who's Jared? Why Christmas time? Like, we, we don't get it, but it's culture. They would have got that. 
So the, the, the sad thing is they would miss out on the guy coming in with the pastor because they don't know what's going on. People, two people are supposed to be joined forever. Those symbols are great, but they get lost if you don't know the symbols. Right? And it's our case here. We don't want to miss it just because we don't know the symbols. Because what Jesus is doing is huge. What he's coming in, he's declaring who he is. Because see, all of us want a lover and a leader. We all want somebody that truly cares about us, and we want somebody to lead us to the point where we want to go. And Jesus was to show them, hey, I'm the great leader, and I'm also a lover of your soul. And he's that for us, and we don't want to miss that this morning. Uh, and so he's about to be very intentional, and these people wouldn't have missed that. To the point they're ripping their coats off and throwing them in front of him, yelling, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Like they know what's coming. They, they're celebrating a big moment. And I want us to do that. I want us to do it as we walk through it. We're going to talk about some places early, and then we're going to get hung up on this donkey thing for the rest of the time. But just let's just talk about places for a second. Verse 1 says, Now when they were drawn near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, stop. So why all that? Because I'm going to tell you all, like I just counted mine earlier, Mark is like about the whole life of Jesus. 19 pages, very small the most important story ever told. We can do it in 19 pages. And I'm going to talk about that, some places up front. Like I've, only got, I've got 19 pages, 16 chapters. If I'm, if I'm going to tell the whole story of Jesus in 16 chapters, I'm going to be very efficient. I'm only going to tell you what you need to know. I'm not going to put a lot of extra fluff in it. So when he drops these names, I'm going to look it up. And I'm going to ask, why is he telling us that? Because as Jesus goes to Jerusalem, he stops by Bethany. It's a suburb like Madison going to Huntsville. And Bethany is up on the side of the Mount of Olives. Like it's just a ridge that runs north to south. It's on the east side of the city of Jerusalem. So it's like east of Jerusalem. And he starts, he goes from there and he begins to move to Jerusalem. And I'll say for these people, man, this is humongous. They just, they, they're like, he went where? You want to go Where? Because if we know our history back early before that in Ezekiel, like the story about God and his people and the people of Israel, we know God's telling us a story there. And he takes on his people that are like really doing some bad things and he gives them life. Even though they keep screwing up, he's been talking about that for about six months, about the Old Testament. And what, what you see is if you read through the book of Ezekiel, it's almost like a marriage. And God's going to marry, kind of be the, the marriage is the example. And he takes them in, he feeds them and clothes them, and they just keep messing up and if you read the book of ezekiel what they do with god's blessings they build big fancy house, big fancy houses and they kill their babies like to sacrifice them to foreign gods and god just gets to the point he's like man i can't do this anymore i'm not doing this like i, I want your heart but I, i'm just not going to be a part of this and, and what you'll see in ezekiel really dark place man where they it's a chapter where god's presence kind of leaves and he goes out the east gate to the mount and then later in, in chapter 43, it tells about God and his love and his wrath. But it says like he'll never divorce his people and like he's going to return. And like Ezekiel 43, 1, it's not up there, but I'll just read it. It says, then he led me to the gate, the gate facing east. And behold, the glory of the Lord of Israel, the God of Israel was coming from the east. And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters. And it shone with his glory. And verse 4 says, and the glory of the Lord entered the temple by the gate facing the east. The Spirit lifted me up and brought me in the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. 
says God's coming back from the east. So why is Bethany important? It's up on the Mount of Olives. It's on the east side. So, so he's going to come through the east gate. And that's what we see. He's returning. And that even, that even satisfies Zechariah in chapter 9. He says that the feet of the Messiah are going to land on the Mount of Olives. It's the same thing. The glory of God is going to descend from the east and enter the temple. So what do we see? Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. He says, hey, boys, let's get in position. Let's ease right out here to the east. And then when you see in Mark, he's going to walk straight to Jerusalem, straight to the temple. And if you've seen this happening, like Jesus and his guys getting up on the hill, it's like when you see the, the, the man and the pastor coming up. Like, you know what's supposed to happen. Like, they're excited. Don't lose that. My example is when I seen John Smoltz getting up in the bullpen in the eighth inning when he used to close for the Braves because it was over with. You're not going to hit it. And so that's, that was my example. But they knew when they seen it, it's over. It's this doesn't happen, right? It's like it's like your guy getting loose in the bullpen. Here he comes. He's on the Mount of Olives. He's there now, and people are like, "Oh yeah," like it's 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 on. The solution to our sin problem right up there, right? And so that's what's happening. Let's just stop there for a second and learn something really weird. Then we're going to move into the donkey arena. I don't I don't know where you're at in your life or things you've been through like what your past looks like. These people were killing their kids to sacrifice them to foreign gods, and God doesn't give up on them. He comes back, and he saves them, and he redeems them, and he forgives them, and he saves them. So whatever you've done in your life, I'm not going to ask you to compare it to killing babies, but I am telling you we, we serve a God that forgives and saves. Right? So learn that from this. Now we're in the wheelhouse. Let's talk about a donkey. So verse 6, because there's six verses about it. We've got to talk about it. We're not going to skip it. It's context. That's what Heath would say. Heath, you're watching live stream. Context. So that was for Heath. And if you look in the book of Mark, man, if you're going to be very efficient, it's just like 16, 19 pages, 16 chapters. Why spend so much time on a donkey? Verse 2 says, hey, let's go to the village ahead of you. Just enter it. You're going to find a colt, which is a young donkey tied there. No one's ever ridden untie it. Bring it to me. If they ask why, tell them the Lord needs it. I'll bring it back. He finds a colt. They untie it. Somebody asks. He tells them the Lord needs it. They brought it to him. They threw their jackets on him. He rides it. What? What? Why is it so specific on the donkey? Because the truth is Jesus is very specific in the way he talks about it, which is a change because if we know, if we look at the way he talks about it in the gospels, Jesus is very reactionary. Things happen, they're like, hey, can you help me? Yes. My son's possessed with a demon, can you help? Yes. He, he's very reactionary here. He's very proactive. Hey, guys, go get a donkey. It's going to be tied up. Matter of fact, somebody's going to ask you why you're getting it, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you the answer. Right? It's going to be right inside the wall. Right? So what I, what I see is this quickly becoming way past luck, and now we're starting talking about divine intervention. Like, what's going on? Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus never rode anywhere. It's going to be weird for everybody. Right? He always walked. He never did this. Oh, 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 yeah, and make sure it's never been sat on. That's nice. Just a little added kick. Right? I mean, that's what I'm saying, like, if you just read it. Like, he's been walking through the Old Testament. Like, when we bring animals to God, we've learned they can't just be some normal animal. They're going to be clean, pure, all those things. They're not going to be normal. So Jesus says, hey, let's do it. Let's get a special donkey. Right? I mean, straight up. And there's seven verses. 
It doesn't even tell us about the donkey. Like his name's Dudley and he loves apples. It doesn't even say, it doesn't say any of that. It doesn't even say that. It just says bring the donkey. And they bring him and they bring it. Like it, but I'll tell you what they're doing. And it's called an ungaria. And what that is, is kings, every time they go into a city, would commandeer an animal to ride it in. And that's what he's doing. He's setting up to be king. And he's not joking anymore. Right? He's coming and he's going to ride in. And that's what Jesus is doing. And like, hey, boys, go get me an animal. I'm going to ride in. I'm not walking in like a pilgrim this time. Like I'm riding the donkey in. And tell them, if they, hey, if they ask, tell them the Lord needs it. Tell them the Lord needs it. And that's not usually how he talks about himself. Usually he'll say something like, son of man. And then everybody goes like, son of man, like Daniel 7 changed the world, son of man, or like, your dad's a guy. Like, would you answer that, please? And he's kind of vague with it. He's like, yeah, son of man forgives sins, and he kind of ducks out. But not now. Not here. Right? Because if you go back and you read up to this story, even a blind man calls him the son of David. And his answer to that blind man is, yeah, what do you need? There's no dodging it anymore, right? He's acknowledging who he is. And it's not that he's learning to be more comfortable in his role. He's just not hiding it anymore. Like, your king is here. Like, we're removing all doubts. There's no more wondering. There's no more dodging the crowd. Like, here he comes. Playtime is over. And he just walked in. He could have just walked in. He's not interested in that. He stays in an event because the king is here. Right? And we see that. A couple more things about the donkey. Right? He's never been sat on. Um, I only have one story about that. My, my, when you look up here, a lot of you think a lot of things. He probably works out. He's a jogger, runner, whatever. <laughs> maybe, maybe, he's, he's probably a horseback rider. Uh, so I went one time. I went one time. And uh, I got there, and I was the youngest guy there, mistake. And um, the two older gentlemen, it was my old pastor and worship pastor where I come from, they just ride through. They're already there, and I see them ride through on these big, huge, majestic horses, and I was like, well, that's cute. They're not moving. I thought horse riding was going to beat me to death. They're not moving. Well, the guy that owns the horses come over, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're walking horses. They're not supposed to move. It's supposed to be comfortable. I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Everything I thought about horseback riding, out the door, I want some of this. Where's mine at? Let me find mine. He's in the barn. Why, why is he in the barn? Just come on in. Y'all, I walk in there, and that donkey, and I'm like, the horse is like so small. Like, I'm like, he's, I'm two bills plus then anyway. I'm like, do I have to carry him? Or is he carrying me? Right? Because he's little. And he's like, just get on him. Simple enough. <laughs> I took one step over. He made two moves. He dropped his head and he put his butt in the air. <laughs> Y'all, off the horse. Boop. This is the quote, and I'll move on. The guy that's with the horse, he said, <laughs> he's almost broke. Hey, almost. Um, so, and I battled that dude all day. I can tell you stories later. 
He's almost broke. Um, but go get, go get a donkey this afternoon that's never been set on. Let's have homework. Because I'm going to tell you what that is. It's just not going to go well. He's not going to turn around and ask you in a friendly, nice voice, hey, where do you want to go? Like, they don't, they, don't, they don't trust us. Animals have a problem with us. Right? They're scared of us for the most part. Right? I read a quote this week that I thought was neat. It said, why do animals growl and run from us? Because they know we have a quarrel with their maker. See, Adam and the animals got along till sin enters and what? It becomes a whole different thing. And that's why we love it. When we can get an animal to love us, it's so special. That's why. See, God gives us a chance to run the world. We blew it. And animals are like, yeah, that dude's a terrible manager. I'm not trusting him. Right? But Jesus, when he gets on the donkey that's never been rode, the donkey just submits to him. Right? And even goes back to fulfill Isaiah that says the Messiah is going to bring peace and order to the whole thing. Like order is going to be restored. Like he brings peace. See, because what Jesus is doing, he's not doing anything every king wouldn't do. The king kind of did five things when they come in. They would enter on an animal. They would have their status recognized. They would be greeted with acclaim. They would go to the temple and then they would do something at the temple. Jesus is doing all the same things. He's going to ride in on a donkey. He's going to enter under the name Son of David. They're going to claim Hosanna. Blessed is the one who in the name of the Lord goes, he goes to the temple, straight to the temple. And then he participates in an activity there. So he's following steps of a king. But you're going to grab an animal nobody rode before? Well, see, don't miss it. When Jesus jumps on that colt, you would think that thing would have bucked and went nuts. The skittish little dude, man. What happens? He just becomes fearless. That's right, nothing. He's fearless. And Jesus is just going to walk him down the street with like a half a million to 500,000 people, 500,000 to a million folks chanting and hollering and waving palm branches. And we don't have a story about that little dude going nuts. Why? Because that dude is fearless when Jesus is in his saddle. When, when life is screaming around us, he is steady. He is steady. Same thing with us. Right? When Jesus is our Lord... When he is Lord, when he is ruler. And see, when we say ruler, that scares people. Like he's going to break us like a horse. And it causes fear in a lot of people because we've got to be broke. Right? But he's, he, when he, what you actually see is Jesus makes this little dude steady, man. Steady. Regardless of what's going on around him. Regardless of what's going on around him. Right? That's a, power, that's a powerful thing. All right? And then another simple reason he would ride a donkey is to fulfill Scripture. Most kings would come in on like a stallion or be pulled by a chariot. But Jesus is finally coming in. He's acknowledging he's a king. Finally, right? His disciples are like, yes! We're about to run this joint. We're on the east side of the city. We talk about that. Yes! We're riding into the temple. Oh, yes! Son of David. Yeah, he said yes. We realize, they realize he's going to be king. He's going to take over. Everybody's going to bow down to us. Finally, we can quit making fun of. Finally, what are you riding? Jesus, you're going to ride on an animal? Yes, what are you riding? That little dude. What, what? Like if you look in Luke, it's not even the mama donkey. It's like the little donkey. Are you serious? We got all the way to that. And you're going to get this troll-sized donkey. Why do that? 
Right, but what it is is Matthew will tell us it's directly fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9. It says, Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation. He is humble and he's mounted on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So you have a king that not only rules people, he rules creation. And I'll just tell you, a king's the best form of government. They can get things done fast if you have a good one. But the problem is, we all know this, I'll state it, everybody gets power hungry and they start taking advantage of their people. Look in any history book ever. You can look up till today. If you've got a dictator, guess what? I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. He's going to become arrogant and he's going to exploit you and kill you for money. What I'm telling you is humanity is wicked. But your king, my king, he's going to ride in on a perfect combination, man. He's going to ride in. He's going to be majesty. He's a king. But how meek to ride in on that donkey. He's strong, but he don't ride in just to destroy us. Right? He's gentle, man. He's our king. He rides in with power. He don't just blow us away for doing wrong. He loves us. Right? He, he comes into the temple and he throws out all the other animals. And, and he's been talking about like the sacrifice thing. That's how they get to God at the time. And why kick them all out, man? Your first thing when you get to the temple is kicking them out. It's because he knows he's taking their place. Right? And that's mighty, man. That's powerful. So when he comes to us, he's humble, man. He's gentle. He takes our place. Right? And do you realize how terrible you have to be to let somebody so holy take care of your sin problem? You'll get really, really small really, really quick. But when you realize he's humble enough to take your sin, your sin, my sin, and he's going to ride a little humble donkey to do it, and then he's going to come to the Passover lamb that's slaughtered for our sin. Like, that's, that's big news. Because he, what he does is he, he allows our, our gospel, says that we're so bad that only the Son of God can save us. He's got to come to save us. But our gospel also says we're so loved. He did it. He did it. He, he did it. All right? He rode a donkey to do it. Right? It's a perfect combination between arrogant and powerful and meek and weak. We don't have to decide between the two. We can have power. We can walk through situations that are tough. But we can be meek enough to understand what's going on and help somebody else. We can help the poor. Right? We can care about others before ourselves. Not many folks are doing that if you look around. But he gives us that. He gives us that. And man, as he rides in, they're throwing their cloaks down. The king is coming. And like they're throwing leafy branches. That's kind of like us just waving an American flag. Because like at the time, they're under Roman rule. And it's kind of like saying, hey, take this, Rome. Our king is here. The son of David is here. Hosanna, what does that mean? Save us? He's here. See, Sunday's coming. Sunday is coming. So Patrick and his team are coming. Two things before we leave. Number one, if you're lost in here today, I would say this story, what does it do? It kind of forces the issue. Because he's been very meek and very mild up to this point. But I think now, see, he's riding in as king. What we've read, if you go back and read 1 through 11, what you see, he's riding in as king. It's to show you he is king. And, and, and so... Let's make it clear you have a choice to make. You can crown him as king or you can kill him. 
and tell him no. But, but he's kind of forcing the issue. Right? A stupid example, but I'll say it. It's like when I drop down on one knee and ask the girl to marry me. That's going to go one or two ways. Right? It's either going to go yes and we're moving off into forever or no and you're probably not going to see me again. Ever. Right? But I'm forcing the issue when I get there. Right? So that, that's what we want to do with all of this. Jesus is just saying, hey, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a rabbi. I'm not just a neat guy. I'm king. I'm the king of Jerusalem. I'm the king of creation. And he wants to be king of us. So I would say crown him or kill him. But don't ignore him. Right? And if we know him today, Whatever you're struggling with, our king is humble and gracious, right? But powerful enough to lead you through it, right? He can make you fearless regardless of your circumstances, right? Fearless. Regardless of what's yelling around you, what people are waving in front of you, you can trust our king. That's our king. I'll be here if you need to decide, if you need to talk to me about any decision you may have. Two counselors at the back door. I pray you know Sunday's coming and you deal with it appropriately. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, what we can learn, God, of you just entering a city and riding a donkey. And God, I thank you for that. So God, be with us.